This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 59. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hello, folks. It's good to be back. I've missed the microphone. And speaking of microphones, Mohammed, who left a Stitcher review in September. Where are you? Because I have a new microphone and I hope you're a bit happier with this one. Also, in the meantime, I figured out not exactly what a bit rate is, but at least where to change it. So I hope you'll be a little bit more satisfied with the quality of sound. Having said that, I'm not entirely set up. I don't have a proper pop filter yet, so and windbreaker. So I'm speaking to all of you through a clean sock. Today, we're gonna talk about talking. Now, I hear a lot that people say, well, you know, I'm actually a positive person, I'm very optimistic, but other people just bring me down. And that's even more pronounced when these other people are family members and we're nearing the holiday season and people have to spend a lot of time with family members who they consider negative. Now, like with fitness for the body, the thing about psychological fitness is you have to do the work. So if you don't try anything, if you just store a lot of knowledge in your head, but don't try anything, don't do anything about it, it's not going to work. So like having to do push-ups, I would like you to think about this idea and then execute on it that you can change the conversations you have with the people around you simply by changing the questions you ask them. So to demonstrate how a conversation goes, I invited a friend of mine called Erica Vervo. I met her last year in a summit that she's going to mention what it's called. And I just loved her energy and I thought she would be the perfect person to have a conversation with. Now, I want to be clear, we didn't script this, okay? So I just told her, look, I'll just ask you a couple of questions about your life. I'm not, I didn't really tell her what exactly I wanted to achieve with this. So it's not fake. It's not like I coached her through answering correctly or anything. And I hope what you get out of this is that you see that if you ask different questions, apart from how are you and how are the kids, that you can have different and maybe more pleasing conversations, okay? So without further ado, here's the conversation with Erica. Okay, today we're going to talk to Erica Vervo, and she works for the travel blogger Nomadic Matt. And the reason I wanted to have her on today is that we would like to go into how we can have strengths-focused conversations with people who we know. Because a lot of people complain about, you know, what do I do if I want to be positive, but my friends are not, or my family members are not. And I thought I'm going to make the job really easy for me, because Erica is a lot of great energy. You're going to feel it when we talk. So that's why I brought her on today. Welcome, Erica. Hello. All right. So what brings positive energy to your life? Wow. That's a great question. Um, I feel like 
I feel like I grew up in a very positive environment um, with a very can-do family. And so I guess I grew up just doing really fun things all the time. We were a family that um, focused on experiences over things. So instead of instead of getting presents every year for for our birthdays, we went to go see plays and we went into New York City. I'm from very close to New York City. Um, but we were very positive people. I was around a lot of positive people. We had a lot of positive people and friends around us growing up. So it just seems like the thing to do. And then when I grew up, like as I got to make my own choices, I decided that experiences were what I wanted also. So I have very little, but I've done a lot, <laughs> if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. It's actually even backed up by science. So there you go. <laughs> Perfect. What kind of experiences do you refer to? As an example, you said you said you talked about going to plays, but I know that you are particularly fond of one particular experience, especially since you work for a travel blogger. Yes, yes. So now that I've now that I've come into the adult world and I can, you know, do what I want, I have chosen the life of a traveler and vagabond and purposeful, I guess, explorer if you will. So since I was about 21 years old, so for the last seven years, I've been exploring the world. I particularly like to live abroad. So I've lived in a number of really random countries. And um, now I work for a travel blogger. So I don't really live abroad anymore. But I, I like to take extended trips. Yesterday, I came home from almost a month in Vietnam. And so that was very, very fun. Um, I don't know if you want me to list off where I've lived or traveled. Yes, please yeah? give people a flavor of the p random places you've been to. <laughs> okay, so I ended up doing my last year of university in my sister campus, which was in Qatar, Doha, Qatar. And I went for a semester and I loved it so much that I ended up graduating from there. And after I graduated, after I had a year of Qatar under my belt, I decided I didn't want to be an interior designer, which is what I had studied and the degree I got. So I ended up volunteer teaching in the most rural part of Thailand, where I sort of call it the land of no English. There were farmers all around me, and I was working at a high school of a thousand students that had no interest in learning English. <laughs> so that was the second stint abroad, and it was amazing. I lived with a gorgeous family and it was just a real experience being in a place where people didn't speak English. Um, and I love teaching so much that once I ran out of money, I decided to become an English teacher in South Korea that actually got paid instead of a volunteer one. And so I moved to South Korea and I lived there for over a year teaching English in Busan. And then when I was finished with that, I moved to a tiny island in the Caribbean called St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I was on the main island of St. Vincent. And 
I lived on an international community service learning commune. It's really, really complicated to think about, but basically it was this nonprofit that made a big compound where they then accepted people from all over the world to come learn about how to make a difference in communities in rural places all over the world. So I lived there for six months and then I went with a partner of mine to Zambia in Africa and I lived in with a bunch of farmers in the bush without electricity, without running water and we were working with farming cooperatives there for about six months and then we got shipped back to St. Vincent and the Grenadines and we were there for another three months. And then I decided, <laughs> I decided that it was time to come home. So ever since, I haven't spent more than a few months abroad. But um, before I came home, I, I was abroad for about four and a half years out of the five years <laughs> since I was 21. So that's, that's the short version of where I've lived. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I hear that you seem to have an incredible ability to adapt to whatever is happening. So you're in this village in Thailand where nobody speaks English. Then you're in Zambia where there's no electricity. And and no English. Exactly. <laughs> How did you adapt to these things? What prepared you? Let's put it this way. What prepared you to be able to adapt like you are? Mm. I mean, nothing really uniquely, there's nothing really uniquely different from me, except for that I really like to laugh and I really like, like to believe that people are people no matter where you go. So in Thailand, it was really fun for me, even though people didn't speak English. Um, I got my fix of the English language just by reading. And then I had a lot of fun with my family and I thought it was really hilarious to have all these conversations and explain everything without using language, which was a challenge, but it was hilarious, you know. <laughs> um, I had some very, very difficult conversations or difficult questions to ask, and I wasn't able to use my language. So it makes you become really aware of yourself the facial expressions you're using, how you're coming across, even though they can't understand what you're saying. Like if they, if you're coming off like a really mean person or if you're coming off like somebody that people just want to be around, even though they have no clue who you are or what you're saying. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a challenge, but it's not that hard once you, once you're put in the situation. Okay. So some people sometimes say that when you come back to the States, that that's almost the bigger culture shock. Is that what you experience as well or not so much? That is absolutely the craziest part of traveling is coming home. <laughs> um, they call it reverse culture shock. It's really hard um, because if you can think about spending a year somewhere or spending four and a half years somewhere where everything seems like an adventure. You know, going to the grocery store is hilarious because you just have no clue what you're buying. 
Um, walking down the street is ridiculous because you might not know what's happening around you. Um, going on the subway is a challenge because you can't read any of the signs and you end up lost and it's not as much of an inconvenience as it is like uh, some weird story that you can tell later. You know, everything you're like exploring every day. And then um, when you come home, it's very, it's very much same as what you grew up in or what you're used to and it just those little things um don't become as exciting and so you're like oh I can't wait to get on the road (laughs) so yeah it is reverse reverse culture shock is something that you know I think a lot a lot of travelers have a have a bigger problem with than actually moving abroad moving abroad abroad is fun especially now that there's internet it's really not that hard you don't even feel that homesick anymore you could talk to your friends on skype you could talk to your family on on your cell phone (laughs) so i think coming back is harder definitely for me at least okay you talked about mission and purpose you kind of mentioned it uh, that you that that's important to you when you travel but also when you do other things do you feel that you have a mission in life yes yes um I found my mission in life about seven years ago maybe six and a half years ago um I really really love to go places that I have not heard of that people I know have not heard of or that no one's familiar with because I feel like um I feel like I can really have a fun time anywhere which anyone's capable of but I particularly like to laugh and have fun and meet people and experience weird things and I don't really have uh I don't really get anxious or anything like that. So I feel like it's easy for me to do that in places that I know nothing about. And so I feel like my mission in life is sort of to bring those places back home or to people abroad or to my friends or I don't know if I'm making sense, but Basically, I like to show the world these little known places. Like, I never knew St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I didn't know anything about St. Vincent and the Grenadines before I landed there. I knew nothing. And I don't know anyone that's ever been to St. Vincent and the Grenadines except for the people that I met while I was there. Um, I continue to tell people I've been there. Nobody has ever, ever, ever said that they've been there also. It's very, very small, and there's very little tourists there. So now every single person that I talk to knows about St. Vincent through my eyes. And (laughs) um, I had a a fantastic time there. I absolutely loved it. I can't, you know, say anything bad about that country. It's just it's fabulous and I love that I'm able to share that with people and then those people that I share that with are able to share that with other people. So I feel like my mission in life is sort of to get people out of their comfort zone and just learn about different places. I mean, the more people know about other places, the less scared they are and the more love we have in this world. So um, yeah, I guess that's that's the mission that drives me and that keeps me traveling and keeps me talking. (laughs) 
You mentioned fun quite a lot and your curiosity is just, you know, over the top, it seems. What else, if you, if we shift a bit and think about a lot of people who are listening to this, they might accuse you of leaving, living a dream kind of life. So, 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 so what, like, let's say they didn't grow up in a family which had all these fun experiences and were laughing all the time and attending plays. Like, do you feel that your attitude is transferable to other people? Yes, I absolutely do. I mean, I, of course, so I'm talking about a lot of fun things, but I'm a human And I get sad and mad and upset and, you know, things happen to me. But I really like to, I really like to focus on the fun because I feel like it's really easy to focus on the things that are happening that may be going wrong. But I even think you could switch those to fun things, you know. So when I went to, when I went to Qatar, for example, that was the first place I've ever lived. And I went there because I did not like my major anymore. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to finish this degree, I'm going to have an adventure. And that was the attitude I took. And um, I took it with me. And I said, you know, if somebody asked me to do something here, I'm just going to say yes. Like, unless I, unless I already said yes to something else and it's a real time um, commitment problem, I'm just going to say yes. So I said yes to everything. And I got super involved in, in my school, in my friends' families, in, in all the people that, you know, I met there. I got super duper involved. And I think that is the reason that I had such a fantastic experience there. And that's also the reason that I feel like a lot of other people that go to Qatar maybe don't have the most fantastic experience because, um, I mean, just say, just by saying yes, you can experience so many things that are so outside of your comfort zone and that you would have said no to, and you really would have missed out on. So I think it's absolutely transferable. All you really need to do is change, change your attitude just a little bit. You know, say, instead of just saying yes to the things I'm comfortable with, just say yes to everything. Or, or I don't know, a few more things and get yourself out there and see that, um, you know, the world is not so scary and you could actually really have fun. And also, I, I always like to say um, that if it's not a good time, it's usually a good story. So even even the times I've been like stranded on the waters at the you know I was once on a a boat in Doha with about 40 students that were all much younger than me and didn't really know how to plan anything and it was the middle of Ramadan and we decided to go on a big dow boat and we completely got stranded like in the middle of the water for hours and hours and hours and hours. We were supposed to get back by like nine o'clock at night. And at four in the morning, we were still stranded. Nobody was picking us up. We were like 40 people on a Dow boat with 
these guys running the boat that didn't really know what they were doing and everyone was freaking out because there were a lot of Muslim people on the boat and they were we were in the middle of Ramadan so we had no water and sunrise was coming and so um, everyone was freaking out because we had no water so they, they were they weren't gonna be able to drink until the next day at sunset so and we were here on the salty water and we had just been you know, on the beach. So they were just freaking, freaking out. And it was, it was a terrible experience. However, it was definitely a fond experience looking back on because we got to spend so much time together and we were, you know, frantically trying to figure things out without cell phones, without any of this stuff. And even though it wasn't a good time at the time in the moment, it's, it's one of my more vivid memories and, you know, a very unique experience to Qatar, I think. And so it colors my, you know, idea of my memories in Qatar. And even though it wasn't really fun, it's fun to look back on, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm actually glad that you touched on that because I was still trying to probe a little bit. Like, I mean, I'm, I think it's so, it's so refreshing. I think you do seem to approach life with a certain amount of innocence and cheer that that we that we I think is kind of lost a bit you know so so mm -hmm. I I admire that but on the other hand I'm like well yeah you're human so like something <laughs> must happen sometimes right that, but but it's not to pry on the bad things but actually to kind of learn about well how do you react if if you know, Kian, what you just said before, like this idea of just stubbornly, if you allow that word, like stubbornly focusing on the positive in that moment, does that help? Or do you have other mechanisms which empower you to deal with different difficult situations? Um, hmm. I don't have, I don't have other methods. I mean, sometimes I complain and that's not necessarily a bad thing because that usually brings me closer to somebody. <laughs> and so sometimes I complain and sometimes I try to see the best, um, try to find the best in every situation. So I'm like, you know, at least we're not doing this or it could have been worse or something like that. Um, and sometimes I just think, all right, this is a learning experience. <laughs> if something bad is happening, I'm gonna learn something so you know I've never knock on wood I've never been in a terrible situation before and I've done a lot of things that and I've been to a lot of like quote-unquote scary places and nothing has really happened to me and I I mean I sort of attribute that and Lots of people will disagree with me, but I sort of attribute that to my attitude when I go places. Um, I never really think anything bad is going to happen to me, and nothing bad has happened to me. I feel like some people always focus on the worst and are scared of everything, and they just really, really, really don't want to be robbed when they go here, and they've heard everyone gets robbed, and they, you know, they, they're just dwelling on the robbing, and then they get robbed. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So I just think, I just think, you know what? This place is going to be great. And I think, wow, when I get there, wow, this place is so great. Oh my goodness. This is even more great. And guess what? My experience is just great. <laughs> 
So <laughs> it's sort of as simple as that. And I know, I know, especially when I talk to my sister, she, she doesn't like when I say that because she's like, if you just think it's great, then you're just gonna, you know, walk into bad situations. And I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that. And I've actually talked about this last Sunday to a couple of people that people are so afraid of something which the chance that it actually happens is very, very small, whereas they're not realizing what they're missing out on. You treat everybody in another country like a robber. I mean, if, if I know that people are suspicious and I have zero motivation to kind of convince them, right? Because yeah. I'm just like, all right, you know, go along. I don't need to convince you of anything. But if somebody approaches me like, like yeah, like literally you did, <laughs> then <laughs> then... It just it just activates a completely different part of myself. Like even if I'm not necessarily exactly as bubbly as you are, you're still talking to that positive part inside of me. So mm -hmm. so I think it's not even some weird metaphysical thing, you know, in terms of like oh I have some protective bubble around me. It's just you kind of provoke that from other people. Mm. That's how I feel about it now. If you think about it, you said you want to bring the world, you want to bring those obscure places to the world. You want to make the world feel less afraid. And you seems like you're already doing a pretty good job at that. Now, if you, <laughs> if you think about it, if you fast forward and you're like a really awesome grandma or something, <laughs> what do you want to look back on that has not yet happened to you? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I would be an awesome grandma. Um, <laughs> well, I haven't had kids, so <laughs> that would have to happen. No, no. no. Let's say yes. an awesome old lady. <laughs> an awesome old lady. An awesome old lady. Well, I would love to travel around with a few people that I love. So to live in a place, um, I love, love, love my family. I love my boyfriend. I would love to experience extended living abroad um, time with them because it's something that so far I've done very singularly. And so I just know that the adventure would be, you know, so much more incredible if I got to share it with the ones that like I really love. I'm best friends with my brother and sister and my boyfriend is incredible but we've never actually taken like we've never actually moved somewhere together and so that's what always brings me home is that I miss them my wish for the world and this is gonna be a little bit more on the serious note but I really just want to see a peaceful world like I'm you know on Facebook I'm friends with people all all over the world in all different regions And I see a lot, a lot, a lot of postings of just a lot of bad things that are happening in the world. And I really think that it's because um, one of the major factors of it is just that we're lacking a bit of human empathy on a human level. And so I feel like, you know, there there's a huge possibility of, of, greatly reducing all the bad things that are happening just by sort of putting yourself in other people's shoes <laughs> and knowing what it's like to be 
um, somebody at the hands of violence or hate or anything like that. So I would love to look back on this world and say, you know what? Look, when I was growing up, <laughs> Facebook was full of all these dangerous and disgusting acts of hatred. And now it's not. That's exactly what I would love. And I think there's a potential for that. So that's why I say it, because I think it's doable, but I think it takes a, a group effort. I agree. I agree. And it's very hard to be indifferent about certain things when mm -hmm. you're, you've been there mm -hmm. and you stayed in touch with those people. Mm -hmm. And I think we would just have very different expectations also of our governments, of everybody, actually. Yes. So I agree. Um, I can't really think of a more beautiful way to, to, to end this conversation. Is there anything you'd like to add that you haven't mentioned just yet? No. No, this is great. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you. Thank you for so freely sharing of your life. I oh, I would love to say something. Please do. So we didn't touch on this, but Kristen and I met in person. And we met at an incredible, incredible meeting of the minds called the World Domination Summit in Portland, Oregon. That happens every summer. And it, Kristen, you know, we just started talking and we hit it off. And I'm very, very grateful that I got to meet you. You are a, an incredible human being. And I'm glad we got to keep in touch. So thank you so much. And so for anyone listening, If you want to meet some really, really, really incredible people, make your way to Portland. <laughs> oh, yeah. Portland is great. I yeah. will afterwards explain what the World Domination Summit is because a lot of people misunderstand that. <laughs> And I'll have to clarify that for them. But thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, okay. You know, folks, I really wish that I could say that World Domination Summit is as naughty as it sounds, but it's not. It's exactly what Erica says. It's a meeting of the minds. It's geared towards people who want to make a living by doing something they love and that they think is important in the world. So if you ever get a chance, check out the World Domination Summit's Tickets are limited. I believe the one for 216 might already be sold out. I'm not entirely sure. But check it. It's, uh, it's really worthwhile meeting. Now, just to circle back, of course, I kind of thought about who I want to bring on. And I understand that probably your most negative relative is not as fun to talk to as Erica is. But I kind of had a double agenda because I figured her positive attitude would come out. And I think what's cool about it is, yeah, sure, she was privileged to grow up in a family that is basically what seems like a pretty happy family. However, every time she goes someplace, and that doesn't really matter if she's inside or outside her home country of the U.S., She makes this conscious decision that she wants to have fun with the people and she wants to learn stuff and she wants to try out stuff. And if we take that attitude of curiosity and and this idea that, you know, we just want to get to know the cool part of that other person, people do react very differently. And I hope 
that hearing about that from another person would also motivate you to take a few risks. And I also liked how she framed the stuff that's hard. You know, it's sometimes it can be hard if you're explaining everything. Like she's talked about that Thai village with your hands all day. I mean, some people would say that's exhausting. And Probably at some moment it would exhaust, it exhausted Erica as well. But she decided just to see the fun part of it and to frame it that way. And that doesn't solve every problem that you could ever have, but it really changes how you relate to life in general. Okay, speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.